Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. For this is the day the Lord has made that us rejoice and be glad in it. So, where were you yesterday? Ah, uh, yesterday was, let's talk about it, Tuesday Church Folk Day. And, oh boy, we had some conversation yesterday. Well, we started off talking about that. Timu T-E-M-U, you know, that craze, that buying craze, that purchasing craze everybody's going after. Well, you might want to rethink putting that app on your phone as we found out that the Chinese Communist Party is actually behind getting all of your information and uh, using it against you. So, I know it's the thing to do. I know you're going to get that, you know, $1.67 gold chain and those uh, two cents stock, but at the end of the day, is it going to be worth it? I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, we also talked about the youth pastor who has, uh, let's see, criminal charges against him for uh, secretly filming women and girls with the cameras in the church bathrooms and changing rooms. Yeah, the bridal parties were in their changing their clothes, never realizing that they were being filmed. Mm. Now, this sparked an interesting statement by our pastor Terrell. <coughs> now, the church is the one that found out what this youth pastor was doing, terminated him immediately, they said, and they contacted the police. Now, Pastor Terrell wants to know how in the world did the powers that be, in other words, the pastors and clergy that was above him not have the discernment 
that this was a creep. I mean, there's just no other way to say it. He was a creep. How do you hire a creep or ordain a youth pastor and you had no discernment that he was a pedophile, a creep, somebody who was stalking ladies? And Pastor Jeff co-signed. Yeah, you know, you should have that discernment. Well, I got to tell you, the two of them yesterday, Pastor Tail and Pastor Jeff, had this broadcast going. Yes, uh, they talked about the fact that, you know, you have these people uh, who are over the church choir, who might be the organist, that their lifestyles are questionable, and it's not a secret. You should know who I'm talking about right now. And they're asking, how is it that these people have been allowed to, you know, take over this particular uh, role in the church and why? Not only how, but why. When you clearly see that something is not right. Well, this question has come up on this few time before, and yesterday it just got a little more attention. Yes, it did. And uh, there is an answer that they have given. I'm going to let you go back and listen. But if you want to laugh, go back to yesterday's conversation where Pastor Jeff talked about when he was nice and young and 22 years old and he started his church and he hired someone to be, uh, I don't know if all that is, was an organist or over the choir, but he hired somebody. And the person actually just stepped on him. And he discusses how he handled the situation. Pastor Jeff also talked about, you know, he feels that, you know, we should be, you know, kind of gentle, you know, on the newly appointed pastor as, you know, you're in your growing stage and you may not know, you know, some of the things that other more seasoned leaders know. And, you know, that they're going to make mistakes. And, you know, hey, just keep them lifted in prayer. You know, guide them if you know better. Consider that they're just getting started. Boy, I'm t- yesterday was, I mean, it was thought-provoking. It was comical. It was eye-opening. Leave the two of them in the room long enough. <laughs> You're gonna get uh, some eyebrow raising conversation, and I promise you, they did not fail us at all. It was just the two of them, and you know, I had Shantice in the wings and never got an opportunity to even, you know, bring her up. You know, and, uh, turn her mic on. It, it, the two of them did really captured my attention and my questions were out there and 
And like I said, you know, we are blessed here on this due time because I don't care how sparse the due time crew might be, they won't help. I tell you, God always puts that combination together and he makes it happen. All right? So that's how we spent our Tuesday. And my suggestion is go back and listen. You know how I always tell you. Uh, that'll probably pull you up for the rest of the week. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, today, 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 it. Wow, Wednesday. Yes. And you know how we do it over here on the due time. When it's Wow Wednesday, the ladies reign. And and they always have something to say. I don't know what our girlfriend Vivian is going to bring to the table today. But uh, she never fails us either. And there are some thought-provoking, uh, challenging, socially conscious items. And, you know, I'm, I'm giving God thanks that we are here today. We are in the middle of the week. And uh, we are really to go. Are you? Uh, if not, put your roller skates on. It's about that time that we breathe through the morning and uh, call a friend. Call a friend and let them know. But before you do that, go get that healthy breakfast. Go tell somebody that it's the time with Pastor Steph is on. And whatever you do, whatever you do, don't go anywhere because we will be right back. Every year in the United States, nearly 300 children aged 17 and under gain access to a firearm and unintentionally shoot themselves or someone else. Nearly 500 more died by suicide with a gun. But we have the power to prevent tragedies like this from happening by practicing responsible firearm storage. Together, we can protect kids using these smart steps. Secure all guns in your homes and vehicles. Model responsible behaviors around firearms. Ask about the presence of unsecured firearms in other homes. Recognize the risk of teen suicide. Tell your peers to be smart. Good morning again. Welcome back to It's You Time with Pastor Seth. And it is Wow Wednesday. Yes. The day some people call hump day. But I'm giving God thanks that it's Wow Wednesday for us because, you know, hump day signifies that there's some level of difficulty getting from the first part of the week 
into the second part of it. So, you know, you're kind of slow dragging it and uh, trying to figure it out. How many people? But we have Wild Wednesday, and we don't have any problem getting through this day because whatever God gives us in the morning, it stimulates us for the rest of the day. And uh, I say, let it happen. Let God have his way in your day. Isn't it a wonderful thing that, that we are invested in in every day? We don't have to wonder. All we have to do is wake up and give our lives to the Lord just one more time, and he's going to take care of the rest. At least that's the way he works for me. And I'm not saying that some days are not going to be difficult. They will be. However, just think on the goodness of the Lord. How about that? When we think on the goodness of the Lord, it just takes us into the next hour, into the next three hours, into the next ten hours, and before you know it, it's a brand new day. And all we have to do is say, thank you, God, all that you've done, all that you're doing, and all that you will do. No matter what, what, no matter what comes my way, you got me, you've had me, and you will have me. I mean, come on, come on, come on. And sometimes, you know, when, when things get a little bit tough, it is a little hard to kind of think there, but if you just, just just stretch yourself, stretch your thoughts, stretch your faith, stretch, I mean, just stretch. And I literally mean that. Sometimes you got to reach for that. It's not going to be sitting in your lap. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be the first thing you think on because sometimes life can just weigh you down, but you've got to push through. That's the only way we're going to make it. And if we think about what God has already done, then that should make it just that just, just that much easier. Because if he did it before, bear with me, he'll do it again. Bear with me, and again. Bear with me, and again. He will not let us down. And if we just marinate on that, it will, it, it'll help push us through. I promise you. I promise you. I don't care what you're going through. If you just think on what God has done already, then it'll help to get you to that next point. And that helps you get to the next point. And that's why it's so important that we encourage ourselves. Because there's going to be a time when you're not going to be able to reach out to somebody. Have you ever needed um, needed to talk and you just call that person and they don't answer? Well, I have long ago been given by the Spirit of the Lord. If that happens, you ain't supposed to be talking to nobody but God. Take that time to focus on you and God. Take that time to look to the hills. Someone's cometh your help. No, no, no. That wasn't by accident. Somebody didn't answer that phone. That's because your attention is not supposed to be anyplace else but on God. 
Give it to God. Have that conversation with God. You wake up in the middle of the night, you just toss and turn and can't figure out, I can't go back to sleep. Uh, Talk to God. Tell God, God, I'm here. I'm listening. I'm listening. What you got to say to me? I know I was running around today, and I I didn't take the time to stop to listen, but you know what, God? I'm listening. If it's my attention you want, I'm listening. If it's my attention you need, I'm listening. Now, I might be saying, mm-hmm, <laughs> finally, I get your attention. But let that be an opportunity for you to realize that you should not make God wait on you to turn your attention to him. I don't know why God is having me to say that this morning because somebody needs to hear this this morning for some reason I'm saying this. But don't make that a lifestyle. Don't make that a habit. Don't make it where God always has to come and and tug on your coattail to get your attention. No. Because I'm going to tell you something. It's going to happen, and you ain't going to be too happy. Because he's going to talk at a time when you are just kicking up your heels and you are busy doing you. Don't wait for God to have to get your attention. Give your attention to God. Give yourself to God. Take time out during the day, periodically, not just no one time. But throughout your day, just take the time to say, God, you know what? This is a pause for you and I pause that I'm taking so that you can get my attention right now. I know it's busy. I know I'm at work. But you know what? It's you and I time. It's me and you time. It's us. You know the same way you call your boo or whatever you call him or her? You know, you you always want to text and let them know that, you know, I'm thinking about you. I love you. You're on my mind. Well, let God know that he's on your mind. Take that time out with God and see how your day changes and subsequently your life will change. Because I'm going to tell you something. When you begin to give God your thoughts, your life more and more, deep and deeper, when you begin to invite God into your life and into your world and into your day deeper and deeper, your life changes, changes. And it does it, it it don't take no it doesn't take a long time. It changes. Just give God that that, that, that another ounce of, of attention. Each day, give him more and more attention. As he has decided to wake you up, give him more of your attention each and every day. Because we can give more. We don't see it. It just it just it's never enough hours in the day. I'm home, and there ain't never enough hours in the day. So I can't even imagine for those of you who have to get up and go to work and and travel and get children together, cook dinner, make breakfast, you know, get to work, and, you know, you have to do your day's duties, and you're dealing with people, and mm, my day is nothing like full, but it's nothing like that. But I promise you, 
I promise you. Just give God a little more of you each and every day and watch your life change. I promise you. I promise you. Well, thank you for indulging me, as I always say. I'm sure right about now you want to hear from your girlfriend, Vivian. So let's say good morning to our girl, Viv, with our socially conscious segment. Good morning, Viv. Good morning. Happy Wild Wednesday. How are you, Pastor Seth? I am well, thank you, Vivian. I, I didn't have such a great night, but thanks be to God, I am better this morning. How are you? Amen. I'm good, thank you. Feeling better than last week, thank God. Yeah, you were kind of all stuffy and all of that kind of good stuff last week, and thanks be to God that you're feeling better today. What you got for All right, today on Socially Conscious, we have the Red Cross in the news. As they have just announced, they are ending restrictions against gay and bisexual men when it comes to donating blood. Now, this restriction was put in place back in 1985. But over time, more research has been done and they believe it's safe to unrestrict the LGBTQ plus community. They are saying to keep the blood supply safe. There are now new questions and regulations approved by the FDA that will allow that will that will apply to all donors and these new changes will help them meet the constant demand for blood. The Red Cross estimates only about 3% of the U.S. population donates blood every year. And with the Red Cross and other organizations slowly rolling out this new policy, they're hoping that number will increase. <clears throat> now, one topic that was had here on this due time of Pastor Steph that I will never forget is the conversation about organ donation and how it was on this live broadcast that the listeners and the crew members changed your heart, Pastor Steph, and your mind when it came to organ donation. And where you were once against it, you were now for it. So I'm very curious to hear what people think about blood donation, especially now with this new policy that will now be opening up to gay, bisexual, and the rest of the LGBTQ plus community. Because I know people need it, but I, I, I just don't know how I feel about that, especially with this new policy coming out. But our next story, we are out in Florida, and it was last week that we came, or a couple of weeks ago that we came um, with the news that Florida was coming out with some new policies in regards to how they were going to teach students about slavery but this time, we have some good news out there in Florida as they have come up with some new policies regarding transgender individuals. So Florida's Orange County Public School sent out a memo on Monday that says is transgender employees and contractors cannot use the pronouns of the bathrooms that match their gender identity due to state law. So this memo they sent out states that under law, 
No one is allowed to be required to use a person's preferred personal title or pronoun, and students are not to be asked for their pronouns. The bill states that a transgender employee or contractor may not provide a personal title or pronoun to students, which does not correspond to the employee's or contractor's biological sex at birth. So in Orange County Public Schools, it is no longer allowed for a transgender male to use a female's bathroom because he identifies as a woman. It is no longer allowed for a transgender female to demand the students call her, him, he, they, or them. According to this memo, transgender students and employees will have single stall bathrooms they can use, or they are allowed to use the bathroom that corresponds to their assigned sex at birth. Both transgender employees and students have to follow this. Orange County said anyone who does not would face disciplinary actions taken against them if they use a bathroom that corresponds with their gender identity. So they're not saying what that disciplinary action will be, but I think it's good that they are implementing this new policy and that there are state laws that are now going against this because we have heard some horror stories of people with cameras claiming that they're women in a woman's bathroom and taking pictures and videos of the women and children as they go to use the bathroom. So this is good news. Uh, again, we had a couple of stories where students were pretty much helped by staff at their school with changing their, their, their gender. And now that now with this law, it is no longer allowed for things like this to happen. They're saying that parents are able to sign forms for a teacher to use a nickname for a student, but an educator cannot discuss a child's pronouns or use a different name without a parent's permission. And for me, that's the cherry on top. But even further, Orange County Public Schools is one of the largest school districts in Florida and one of Central Florida's largest employers with more than 25,000 team members, according to its website. So again, this is just a personal belief and thought, but I take it as good news because people have taken it way too far where they have assisted children in changing their gender in school without the parents' knowledge or consent. And again, we have told stories here where let's just say things were taken too far and hopefully with this new law and legislation, it will spread across the states and put an end to a lot of this foolishness that is going on with the children. So now we have a listener submitted story. Again, we have told stories here on this due time with Pastor Steph about these inhumane conditions at these prisons and jails. We just recently brought a story a couple of weeks ago about how they are trying to make it to where they no longer have to report the deaths that are taking place in their facilities. And now we have this 19-year-old young lady who just recently passed away while in the custody of the Fulton County Sheriff's Office for a misdemeanor. So the family of 19-year-old Noni Batiste Kosoko is demanding answers 
after the sheriff's office announced her death at the Atlanta City Detention Center on July 12th, saying she was found in her cell by herself with no obvious signs of injury. According to reports, the young lady was being held in the jail after she was arrested in May on a misdemeanor bench warrant. They say they found her unresponsive on July 11th at 6.36 p.m. during dinner rounds. She was pronounced deceased after medical and Atlanta fire rescue personnel responded to the scene. And to make matters worse, this is the same place where LaShawn Thompson died, the man whose family says he was eaten alive by bedbugs, which according to an independent autopsy, Thompson died for, quote, complications due to severe neglect, end quote. So hopefully her death and Thompson's death and others will bring more attention to an already publicized situation and it will bring about change because it just appears that they are just neglecting these prisoners and it's causing people their lives. And now we have this 19-year-old who was just in jail on a misdemeanor charge and she just lost her life. So hopefully some changes will come because this is just ridiculous. And now we have our wow story of the week. A man out in Florida has been arrested after he broke into a church, caused a significant amount of damage, stole some electronics and the church's money, but he didn't leave before baptizing himself at the church. Report says Derek Porter was attempting to steal from the Emerald Beach Church of God in Panama City Beach. He used a fender block to smash a window at the church and gain entry on Friday morning. A woman working in the church heard the sound and ran away. They say while inside, Porter caused approximately $8,000 worth of damage to the church. Porter then loaded several electronics, including a television, a computer, into his truck along with the church's money bag. When caught, Porter stated he could not remember what happened during various moments inside the church, but what he does remember is baptizing himself in the church's baptismary pool, during which he says, quote, something was holding my head down under the water while in the pool, end quote. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess if you're going to rob the church, you might as well receive salvation while you're there, right? <laughs> But this has been Vivian with Socially Conscious giving you the news that we are following. And remember, if you have any wild stories you would like to submit, please feel free to direct message me on Facebook. My username there is Vivian BM. And come back every Wednesday to find out if your story has been chosen. Thank you, as always, to our loyal listeners. And thank you, Pastor Steps. Thank you, Vivian. Thank you so much. Um, I will say, somehow or another, is that your second story is not clicking. So what we're going to do is during, during this week, I will sit with you and go through this story. Um, we're not going to exhaust everybody else's time but my lack of understanding today. I kind of got it, and then I didn't, and then I got it, and then I didn't. So 
we're going to hold this story till next week, I said. I'm sure the ladies picked up on it, but for some reason, I'm, I'm, not, I'm missing some stuff. So uh, I'll, I'll get with you during the week so you can, you know, make this clear for past the steps. Um, but other than that, I think I've got the rest of these stories. And as always, thank you so much. And please hang around if in the event we need any clarification. Thank you so much. Well, do. Have a blessed day. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All righty. Ah, as always, Vivian gives us some stuff to think about. Now, before we, as Vivian was talking, I was actually, I pulled up really quickly um, some information regarding what disqualifies you from being able to donate blood. And because Vivian mentioned something about, you know, who donates blood, who can't, so forth and so on, who wants to. And the fact that only 3% donate blood. Well, part of that I do know is because certain people are not um, qualified to donate blood. So I don't know if their 3% means only 3% show up or we're down to 3% when it's all over, okay, despite the fact that 35% show up to donate but only 3% end up donating. So... I decided to just do a quick check on what conditions disqualify you from being able to donate blood. Well, they say AIDS is one that disqualifies you. Um, Activities that increase the risk of HIV infection, and that's only temporary. Um, The AIDS is permanent. If you have AIDS, you permanently cannot donate blood. But based on your questions, they may make you wait. And, you know, the questions and answers. They may make you wait to donate blood. So that's temporary. Anemia. If you're anemic, that's a temporary um, hindrance to being able to donate blood. Asthma. Permanent um, uh, a disability um, and, and being disqualified. Bleeding disorders you're permanently disqualified. If you have certain cancers, they say, such as leukemia, lymphoma, myeloma, those are permanent um, restrictions. Certain other cancers are temporary. Certain medications that you take can temporarily disqualify you from being able to donate blood Heart disease, permanent. You cannot donate blood if you have a heart disease. Hepatitis B or C, permanent disqualification from donating blood. Um, Hepatitis exposure is only a temporary um, hindrance to donating blood. High blood pressure, temporary. Malaria. Temporary, pregnancy, temporary, major surgery if recent is temporary, 
transfusions. If you receive transfusions, they say based on certain information, it can either be temporary or permanent. Uh, vaccines, whether you're, you've been vaccinated for certain things, will temporary, temporarily rather, um, disqualify you. And the Zika virus infection is temporary. So I just thought, since we're talking about it, it would be good to know those things. So if you have any hesitation about donating blood, uh, hopefully that may have cleared, you know, cleared some stuff up for you, okay? So let's get to talking to our ladies. Let's say good morning to our Elder Night Tisha. Good morning, Elder Night Tisha. Good morning. Good morning. Happy to be on with you and all our listeners and my fellow sisters. Same here. Happy to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. And our, our first story is the Red Cross has just announced the, uh, that they're ending the restriction um, against the LGBTQ community. Um and, and giving them the allowance to donate blood. And this has been in effect since 1984. You've been around long enough. You could figure out why. And um, as reminded, only 3% give blood each year. So, you know, based on all that little but large information, what's your thought? Is this a good thing? What do you think? Well, interesting enough, I um, straight out of nursing school, my first job was with the New York Blood Center. I oversaw um, the mobile units that would go around the city um, for uh, blood drives. So it was so interesting, full circle, right, um, to hear this story. And I do remember, um, you know, there was a 20-minute interview with each person. It was a list of questions that the staff would go down in order to determine whether or not a person would be eligible for blood. And I also remember that at 9-11, and not at 9-11 when the towers collapsed, um, I happened to be working um, in, at, at the blood center in the office. I was actually there for my annual compliance. When they came down, got all of us from, uh, from, the, auditory, from the, um, the auditorium, and said, listen, we need everyone to get to work. The towers just collapsed, and we were all thrown, you know, uh, garments to put on. And anyway, there was a line of people to donate blood. And, I mean, and I was there till maybe like 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, um, you, you know, with, with people who donated blood. But from that blood, 65% of the blood was not usable. And it was wow. because it was, um, I mean, we found out that we didn't need the blood. Unfortunately, there were more um, fatalities than there were survivors. So we ended up not needing the blood. But everybody rushed to give blood thinking that, you know, there would be so many uh, casualties and that blood would be needed, but we ended up not needing it. But most of it wasn't even usable because when tested, wow. most of the blood, um, was hepatitis positive and HIV positive. And so 
Oh. Coming full circle now to, to this conversation, I think, you know, the times have changed. I don't think that, you know, same sex is as reckless as it was, you know, previously uh, or, you know, when uh, HIV and AIDS was on the rise and you just did not know what was what medications, you know, were not available. And I think, you know, now um, people are living their lives in committed monogamous relationships. And so I think for those individuals that um, are saying, well, wait a minute, you know, you are missing out on an opportunity for us to donate blood simply because of our sexual orientation, who we're choosing to have sex with. It, it, just because we are same-sex attracted doesn't mean that we are reckless. doesn't mean that we are out here just, you know, um, exposing ourselves to all type of sexually transmitted diseases. And so I guess, you know, for the sake of being able to help people and you have healthy people who are able to donate blood, I mean, those questions were stringent. I mean, it would go, in the past six months, have you? In the past three months, have you? In the past month, have you? So the questions really do kind of, you know, weed out any uh, activity that could endanger. And regardless of what, all the blood is tested anyway before it's processed for a number of diseases. So I think, you know what, if we're able to get more blood in to help people who need it, my sister just had four blood transfusions while in the hospital. Blood is needed. People need blood. So if, if we're, you know, able to do our due diligence, let them donate. All right, all right, all right. Uh, let's talk to our Lady Tamika and see what she has to say about this. Good morning, Lady Tamika. Good morning. Happy Wow Wednesday to you. How are you today? <laughs> I'm well, thank you. I'm well. How about you? I am doing well. Forgive me. I'm trying to pull something from beneath the cabinet, and I'm having difficulty, but all is well. <laughs> okay, okay. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. So what's your thought on this expansion of donators for our blood um, supply? Well, as a blood donor myself, and I've been a blood donor for quite some time, um, and, um, you know, I was listening to um, what Vivian had said about the questions. I recently, um, within the last, I'd say, six months, I did give blood, and I did notice a change in the questions. Um, the, 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 the questions have always been in-depth. But I noticed, I even questioned a couple of questions because I was like, well, what does that have to do with anything, you know? Um, but I did notice a change. Um, and here's the thing. I, I want to give you these two scenarios. You, you know, um, you have one person who is straight, who is sleeping with everyone. I mean, he's all over the place or she's all over the place sleeping with everyone, you know, and they want to give blood. Then you have one individual who um, their preference is not straight, you know, whatever that, that choice is. And they have a monogamous, monogamous relationship. You know, they've been with one individual for some time. You know, it starts to make you look at things differently because my thing is if I'm in need of blood, 
I, I, I would be more apt to take it from the monogamous than the person that's got deviant behavior because that's the problem. That's one of the areas that um, can cause issues there, you know. And I do understand, you know, that, you know, that's their lifestyle. However, you know, which one is more dangerous, the one that's all over the place or the one that is with, you know, just one individual, you know. Um, and so I stand on that ground because, you know, um, even I remember when um, I was at um, – I was uh, on a cruise and there was an injury. Somebody got injured really, really badly and they needed blood. Now, I am what they call the universal donor. I can give to everyone. However, I can only receive from a few people, you know, and the individual that was injured was a universal donor, which meant that they were looking for someone like me that, you know, and, and one of the things that they specifically stated, they at that time, they wanted someone who was married. And who wasn't, you know, out there doing all kinds of stuff. And, and you know, they, they, they didn't have a lot of time frame. So they were asking for someone who was married and, you know, such and such and such. And I felt, uh, I felt slighted because at the time I wasn't married, you know, and I could get to this individual. But I was automatically excluded because of your, you know, your, your standing. And so, you know, I, I kind of feel on that way that, you know, pers- a person can be slighted. Can you, you can use the blood, but they're slighted because of their preference. Okay, okay. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, a lot to think about, a lot to think about. Interesting that you said you were on the cruise and, you know, now you can, you know, have an opportunity to donate blood. Um, however, on the flip side of that, you know, you are on a cruise and you may need blood. So that that just goes to show you how important it is that it, you know we donate because you just don't know. Oh my goodness! Ah, uh, let's talk to our girl Shanti and see what she thinks about this uh, this extensive questioning and opening up um, our donor line. Good morning, Shanti. Good morning. Good morning, ladies. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good, good, good. What's your thought? Uh, hearing that, hearing Vivi say that did, you know, help a lot of concerns rise. And, you know, it would have been, for me, it would have been the same had it been maybe another group that I would have said to myself, oh, they're opening it up to them. And you do have to make sure, regardless of the fact, whether you're heterosexual or not, um, whether you live a reckless lifestyle or not, you know, it's good to know that, you know, the blood is being tested before it is administered to whomever needs it. And, you know, when you are in the need of a blood transfusion, you know, my grandmother had to get multiple blood transfusions and there was a season where she had to get them a lot more than she did before. And I'm pretty sure when you're in need of it, you're not sitting there, okay, wait a minute, hold it. Let me see them charts. What questions did you ask them? <laughs> what they have right now? Pull up their Instagram. Let me see their stories. You know, it's, you're, you're in need of it. So you do rely on the healthcare team and the powers that be to properly screen um, these questions. <laughs> 
when I heard about the question being asked, immediately my mind went to the six-year-old who shot the teacher. And when they finally started looking into the mother, they said, you know, she was asked questions before she purchased her gun. And it was like, okay, these questions are useless because, unfortunately, the integrity of the people has plummeted 100%. Well, 90%. Um, so it was almost kind of like, in addition to the questions, there's so much more digging and stuff that, you have to do in order to really try to find out, you know, a lot more of the truth with an individual. Um, personally, I honestly don't really know how I feel about hearing that. And, again, that's not the only group that I would kind of be on edge with hearing, you know, this, you know, regarding, because I do understand. I personally do not believe that every heterosexual, every um, person, who belongs to the LGBT community is reckless. Um, unfortunately, we don't know who's doing what, but there are certain groups for me that just raises, you know, a bit more concern than uh, another group. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about hearing that. All right, all right. Well, it's funny because as Vivian was speaking and the ladies were speaking, I thought about um, Ernie and how often she had some, mm-hmm. some weird issue. Um, she had, like, some type of an ulcer that would bleed, and she constantly had to get blood treatment because she was constantly, constantly bleeding, um, and they had to consistently give her um, blood transfusions at one point. Thank God for, you know, the, the um, all of the uh, testing to ensure that it was, you know, good for usage. Um, she had a good blood type, actually. She was one who could receive from anyone, and she's one who could give to anyone. So she was in a very good position to actually, um, you know, be in that need. But she could never give. <laughs> she could never give because of her own multiple illnesses. I am in a really uh, funny position. So when I hear this, you know, a blood bank means everything to me because of actually uh, a couple of the surgeries, when I woke up, they told me I had to have, they had to give me um, blood transfusions. And my blood type um, is extremely rare. And um, and it's rare in the world, really weird um, blood type. And we cannot receive from anyone. I think they said about 7%, um, we, and we can only receive from one another. Really weird, really weird. Um, and I have not been able to donate. And it's interesting, and I wanted to talk about this, which is one of the reasons why I brought up your um, the qualified individuals. A few years ago, um, I, I don't know. I think it was on the broadcast when I when we was, it was one month, like a month where they talk about blood drops. And I went to the church and I said to them, I said, listen, this is important. We need to make sure we donate blood. So the church went down to donate blood, not as a group, but individuals. Come to find out that more than half of us couldn't even donate. That's why I read that list because, you know, no one had considered it. But even upon suggesting and they went, they all came back with, 
I can't give because of that, and I can't give because of this, and I can't. And I was like, wow, I didn't even realize that there was, you know, this, um, this, this, how large it was that you could be disqualified um, for different reasons. And again, a lot of those reasons are only temporary. So, you know, I did encourage them to make sure they could go back or they went back to donate blood because, again, it was only temporary. You know, you only had, like, someone in the group has asthma, and they, you know, as as I read, you know, they cannot donate blood. I am anemic, so I, I and I stay anemic, so I'm not, you know, and I can't seem to go back and be not anemic. <laughs> so I haven't been able to donate, but, again, as a recipient, as a sudden recipient, Elder Natisha says her sister, um, I tell you my mother, um, you know, people at uh, uh, Lady Tamika said on a cruise, you know, it's, it's urgent. It is urgent and vital that we as people of God really extend ourselves more than just praying for people. I, I think we just pray. We think just praying for people, praying over people, speaking life into people. No, we got to do a little bit more than that. You know, there are other ways we can help save a life. So I'm, I'm really glad that this conversation came up today. Thank you, Vivian. And I, I hope that, you know, um, we all have an open mind. You know, again, you know, monogamous versus, you know, the opposite side of it is a bigger concern opposed to the group of people. Um, yes, years ago you had to be very concerned about this 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 group because of you know um, first of all technology wasn't what it was back then. So there were a lot of cases that slid underneath the radar where people were infected from blood transfusions. And I think, you know, of course, that once you hear that, it's just this major panic. So I think not only opening it up to this community, but I think the Red Cross letting us know that they're being more stringent, they're asking more questions, and then ultimately, again, the actual testing. So like he's brought up, you know, everybody's not going to be honest. So, you know, at least if those people are not honest 100%, or sometimes you just don't know. Again, you may go there thinking that I'm okay, and in actuality you're not okay. How many people, look at what happened with Magic Johnson. Because of his basketball um, insurance, he, had to, he was getting insurance um, done, he, uh, trying to get new insurance, and because he had to go get that physical is what, um, brought out the fact that he was HIV positive. So not you don't really know all the time what is going on with yourself until you go to the doctor and somebody say, uh, do you realize? So, again, let's, let's be, you know, uh, uh, let's assist a lot more. Open up your minds to understand that we have a bigger job than just prayer. Prayer does a whole lot of things that we can't do, reaches, where it reaches a point where we can't reach, but we must um, do the things that we need to do to help mankind. And there are certain religions that refuse and forbid you to even donate blood or receive blood transfusion. So we've got a lot of work to do as people of God. So thank you again, Vivian, for bringing up such a – um, a really good and vital 
um, uh, what do you call it, uh, topic. Okay. Um, I do want to talk uh, go to our topic today. So I am going to go to our wow story um, where the Florida man was arrested for breaking into the church, causing $8,000 worth of damage, stealing money, claims he could not remember what he had done. However, he baptized himself. Hmm. Lady Tamika. How did I know you were going to choose me first? I don't understand. I, I have been uh, a member of a church where it was vandalized and they took the speakers and they took the mics and the you know, and they did damage. They actually put graffiti on the walls. And, you know, it's traumatizing to come into your place of worship and see all of that, you know. And then to add insult to injury, you're going to baptize yourself. You know, I, I just, I'm, I'm not getting, I'm not connecting with that portion. You, you, there's no sorrowful. I mean, you took money from the, 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 the church, you know, you... Now the church has to go and find resources, especially if you've done it, you know, days before, well, even a day before their day of worship. That's that's really, you know, heart, disheartening for, you know, the church. Now we got to go back and, you know, um, repair what was damaged, replace what is missing. Um, and then we get there and we find you in the, in the baptismal pool. Like, I'm just, I, I, I'm not <laughs> understanding. <laughs> Just not, you know, because my thing is, we're going to finish the job, you know. Yeah, I just not understanding um, the mentality. I've seen, you know, the devastation that that can cause, you know, and I'm just not understanding the mentality. And he said that something held in there, but we we can help you, you know, we can help you stay there, you know, if that's where you want to be. <laughs> we can finish the job for you. But uh, just not understanding. I, I, I don't get it. I don't. Mm, all right, all right. Oh, Shanti, what you got? I, you know, I blame everyone who's during the pandemic uh, baptize themselves or they baptize so-and-so in the bathtub and all that. Because now you sent the message. Well, you can do this. And who would think to baptize themselves? After you just got finished committing a crime, what do you think that's washing away? So you still did it? That does not help to wash away the fact that he just committed this crime. But I, he has to have been high and or drunk and just poured the water and say, you know what? I need this experience. I want to be able to say I came and I vandalized this church. And I put myself in the water. Who, who else can say that? Nobody else. I'm going to go down to history today. And that, that was just crazy. All right. All righty. Elder Natisha, what's your thought? I think mental illness is real. Um, and I think, you know, just even the idea of him not remembering 
you know, what, you know, took place in the church, um, as well as um, him even making the decision to, to break into a church in order to steal and to vandalize, I mean, points to the fact that, you know, there's mental illness. But I also think, right, that a couple of things came to mind. You know, the fact that in the midst of your psychotic behavior, you identified that what you were doing, Mm -hmm. you needed to be cleansed from. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You understood that even if I I can't help myself, Mm -hmm. there was a belief. There was a belief that said perhaps that if I baptize myself, God, you can heal me. You can change me. You can do something. And so for me, I see, I almost see the, the, the inner fight, the, the war with a person who is being controlled by his mental illness and all that that, you know, that, that, that encompasses for a brief moment saying, but if I baptize myself, God, can you heal me? Can you save me from me? And so, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I think there's something there's something real powerful about that. But on another note, I'm trying to figure out the lady who ran. She didn't go call the cops immediately because why was he able to be in there so long to do eight thousand dollars worth of damage? Miss, oh, you didn't go call the cops. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! Okay, I I thought it was me. I thought it was me. I, I got to tell you, I thought it was me. The two thoughts that I had in my head, the first thing when Vivian said that the woman ran, I was like, oh, okay. Then she could alert someone. And then when I heard yeah. the same thing about all this damage and then he did baptize, I was like, well, then what did she go to do? Did she just run and just ran? Nothing, did nothing? I thought the same thing. So I, I thought it was just me, but I got I'm glad that it's not just me. The other thing that I'm kind of, uh, uh, that first came to my head as Vivian was talking, you know, the first thing that comes to your head is, oh, my goodness, you know, you got somebody who's in there, they're breaking up the church, and then he's going to call himself baptizing um, himself. I got to tell you, I don't think it's so crazy. That's my personal opinion. Um, I, I, I cannot underestimate the power of God. I cannot. I cannot. You know, we we always look at things very typical. And could he be lying? Could he be crazy? Could could this mental illness, could he have been drinking? Could he have been high? Those possibilities are absolutely open and on the table. Um, And I do not dismiss those possibilities. However, I say to myself, sometimes we set out to do things and we're on our own tangent. We're in our own frame of mind. We do what we want to do. And how many times has God, and I'm not talking about when you had the spirit of the Lord. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you did not have the spirit of the Lord and something just kind of shifted what you did. Now, was it as drastic as this particular situation where you didn't broke up in there and you didn't uh, 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 made $8,000 worth of damage, you didn't stole the people money, you didn't did this, you didn't did that. And we have talked about um, quite, a time, uh, quite a bit of times here about the, um, about the disrespect of the church and how, 
you know, people just don't respect the church the same anymore. But how about the thought that says, could you have intended to go in there tampering with God's business and now God, he does something that you did not anticipate? Now all of a sudden I'm looking at a baptism pool and now we know he can't baptize himself. But just that alone, does he now leave out of this place? Now he's arrested and does this now stay with him? That experience, does that experience stay with him now? And and, and says when he does come out of jail, because he ain't going to stay in there forever, you know, for what he did. Um, now does he have this thought that as he's sitting in jail that I need to give my life to Christ? I don't know. I don't know. It, it, could it be, just be a whim and this is what happened and on his craze, you know, and it's this crazy moment, you know, this was all, a, 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 you know, some garbage. Absolutely. However, my as Vivian was talking, I said to myself, God, who am I? Who am I to say that he didn't go up in there for one reason and you gave him a, 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 a something else? So, you know what? Who knows? But I tell you, it, it, it's food for thought. It's definitely food for thought. Um, thank you so much, ladies, for indulging me. Our uh, news on our socially conscious news. I wanted to, a few weeks ago, I posted um, a particular topic, and thanks to Vivian, we never seem to get to these topics. We do, but um, we always have to squeeze them in. Pastor Charlene is is still recovering, and we're going to keep her lifted in prayer. So we have a few more minutes for um, us to talk about our topic because we will not have a faith over fear segment. But we're talking today about ways. <laughs> I just looked at the, the topic and what we just got finished talking about. Ways to turn to God and be satisfied. Mm-mm-mm. Wow. And for what that means to you as the hearer, of this particular topic, you know, I'm going to give you like a few seconds to let that marinate because I'm sure it can hit each and every one of us in a different way. Ways to turn to God and be satisfied. You know, there's a lot to be said for, you know, when people say, you know, go to God and, you know, uh, you know, I, I need to go to God. I talked this morning about, you know, just helping to move forward at certain times in your life, and being content with that decision. Because a lot of times we don't go to God because we really don't think that that's, we're going to land well. We don't think that where we land is going to be sufficient. You know, people say, you, we, you tell people all the time, pray and go to God and, and, and do this and do that, and God's the answer, and Jesus, you know, he pays the price for it all, and da, da, da. And people will say to you, well, you know, I tried that already. Or, you know, when I, when I, when I do that, I don't, I don't feel any satisfaction. I've heard people tell me, I've had people tell me that. And I've heard people say things to that nature. Um, but what does that mean to you? So, of course, we always got our little bullet points. And one of the things that they talk about when it comes to turning to God and being satisfied 
is listen for the ultimate answer that God has to give, not your circumstances. And that's a lot of times what keeps people from going to God and and being satisfied with what God's answer is because they're looking at how big and deep the circumstances are. And we're going to teach you first on this leg. So what do you have for us in that? Turning to God and being satisfied. Um, A lot of it has to do with understanding what it is that your flesh is desiring. Because if you were talking about the Holy Spirit, then you wouldn't have to really be as convinced to turn to God because that's the job of the Holy Spirit is to remind you to turn to God. But when your flesh is pulling you in the opposite direction, of course, and when you really take the time to allow God to sit you down and show you what it is that your flesh is ultimately desiring, and when you couple that up with who God is and what he's able to do and how he's able to bless you with, healthy distractions while he's teaching you how to combat and deal with your flesh, it is very satisfying because he opens you up to a world of things that you never knew, things you never knew you were good at, things you never thought you'd be interested in, people you claim you ain't like but now you like to be around, um, relationships that you're able to, that's able to be reconciled through him that you thought was just trashed like, shot to hell, like, okay, I'm going to talk to this person again, or oh, I remember doing such and such with so-and-so, but we'll never get to that point again. But it, I think it has everything to do with allowing God to show you what it is that you're desiring outside of him and why you need to trash those desires and turn to him and how whatever he is going to introduce or reintroduce to you is going to be, is going to last so much longer than whatever five-minute satisfaction you're going to get from whatever it is you're desiring or whoever you're desiring. All right, all right. So you gave us an overall <laughs> concept. Thank you very much. Uh, Elder and I, Tisha, we're talking about turning to God and, and being satisfied and content. And, you know, one of the points, the first points they make is, Listen to God and what he can provide, not your circumstances. What you got? And I think that speaks to the sovereignty of God. It's it's really being able to identify that, um, you know, God is sovereign. And when we shift from just focusing in on our circumstances uh, without listening to God, then we could get sucked into and pulled down into the darkness of the situation. But our ability to understand that we serve a sovereign God that is able to use our circumstances, not just for the purpose of causing suffering, but for the purpose of development, right, for building us up, for strengthening us. Wisdom comes by the things that we suffer, And so um, patience comes by the way that we suffer. Endurance, perseverance comes by the things that we deal with, the fact, you know, the things that we overcome. And so tuning our attention to God and listening allows for us to make the connections for what this particular obstacle is teaching us. That's what we're listening for. We're listening for God to show us 
exactly what it is that we are supposed to learn in this situation. And by that, we become satisfied. And I think even in the way that satisfied is being used here, this satisfaction is not just simply about um, taking something in and, um, and just having this sense of satisfaction, but I think it's about contentment. It's about, okay, I don't like this. But because I understand that it is being used to develop me and build me, I can be content in it. And I think that like that is this idea of satisfaction for this particular um, point. Okay, okay, thank you. Uh, Lady Tamika, we're talking about, you know, kind of being satisfied, you know, turning to God and then being satisfied with what God has at the end. And the the point that, you know, the, the writer is making, the first point is listen to God. Listen to God, not your circumstances. Our circumstances keep us from turning to God on quite a few occasions. So true. And our circumstances, you know, circumstances, situations, complexities, they're fleeting. They change. Our emotions shift based on things that transpire. Um, so we don't have any idea what um, is played out for us, what tomorrow holds, but we do know who holds tomorrow. And so that's not just tomorrow, but the days ahead. So knowing and trusting and believing that whatever that is, I can rest assured if I just continue to do my step, if I continue to do what God has allotted for me to do, I know that everything's going to be all right. You know, there that, that, and now that doesn't mean that everything's going to be easy. I'm going to be walking easy street every day. There are some days where it looks really bleak, it looks really dark, and it looks like I could barely see the sun. But trusting and knowing that he's got me. You know, we've heard that many times. You know, especially with our youth, that's now a coin phrase. Uh, God got me. You know, but really, truly, genuinely knowing that he has you um, makes life all the more easier. So even when you do get the rough times, I can handle this because I know that God has got it. All right, all right, all right. Well, we're talking this morning about turning to God and being satisfied and content. Um, at the end of the day, you know, a lot of times we always, um, we let things keep us from being satisfied. You know, even when we turn to God, we're still expecting more. And I, I, I kind of like this next point. Um, it says, leave your selfishness behind. When you are going to take it to God and leave it there and be satisfied with what God has, that selfishness has got to go. And we have our Pastor Kim that's joined us, and we're going to give her first leg on this one. Good morning, Pastor Kim. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, my sisters and everyone listening in. How's everybody? Good morning. Everybody's well, thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I so was what listening do you think? in and... Go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. 
I was saying, what do you think about, you know, when we actually turn to God and just land where we need to land and just leaving the selfishness behind? How often do you think selfishness kind of runs um, interference in, in us being satisfied with, with uh, what God has to offer us? We can, you know, just being human, you know, because there is a human side of us that sometimes we just, because we want things the way we want them and we get kind of spoiled because God has blessed us throughout the years and, you know, and then here's life. You know, life happens and things happen, you know, and things are not always going to go the way that we want them to. And we can get a little spoiled and selfish and, you know, even sometimes mad at God. Like, Lord, why? Why am I going through this or whatever? But the Bible tells us to be content in whatever state that we're in. And when we are seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you know, the Bible says everything else will be added onto us. So we have to understand that even um, in going through different tests and trials and tribulations, if we're saying that we trust in the Lord with all our heart and we're leaning not to our own understanding, but we're allowing for him to direct our path, we know that everything is going to be okay. You know, yes, yeah, sometimes, you know, the, the human side of us, the fleshly side of us is going to be selfish or, you know, or kind of feel like, okay, why me, why me, but why not you? You know, because all things are working together for the good. You know, and even though sometimes we have to go through some things, and they are for the making of us, but we just have to trust oh. God. Amen, amen, amen. Elvin Atisha, how often does selfishness run interference in our contentment with, um, you know, just giving way to God? Well, selfishness in and of itself places an emphasis on self. And so when we are so indulged with ourselves, then it's difficult for us to look to God in order to uh, accept his will for our life. Because, I mean, it's, it's what we all have dealt with. We, when we come up with a plan, we come up with goals, we come up with what we desire for our own lives, and we don't consult God. We don't involve God in it. We don't invite God into that space um, with us. And, I mean, what that does is it really just keeps you in a bubble. And so you don't experience the beauty of God um, as was created by unity and, and, and in community, right? The ability to not just be so self-indulged, self-engaged allows for you to look around outside of yourself and develop a satisfaction, develop a contentment, right? Satisfaction deals with not just contentment, but it's also a pleasure. When we have something, we take something in and we are satisfied, it often denotes pleasure. Well, you can find pleasure when you look outside of yourself. Usually when you're focused on self, you're only looking at what you want, what you desire, and what you're not having, what you don't have yet. You will climb on top of people is the crab in the barrel in order to try to get it, um, and, and there is no contentment there. There is no pleasure there. There's no joy there. It's when we come outside of ourselves 
and we operate in the way that God has ordained for us to operate in community and in unity with others, that we're able to really have a sense, a deep sense, not a superficial false sense. Um, as this world would want us to, to partake in, but we can actually have a real long-lasting contentment and satisfaction in life. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, Lady Tamika, I'm going to shift gear here a little bit. And we're talking about being satisfied with God and being content with what he has to offer. And there's a point here that we need to focus on God's praise, not people's praise. Ooh, that, ooh, my gosh, that's, that's, that's a big one. You know, a, a lot of times we want the accolades, you know, we want somebody to say, oh, it's a good thing, you know, you, you did such and such and such. And a lot of times it's silent. You don't hear a single solitary thing. You went all out yourself. You know, when you start doing things for people's acknowledgement and people's praise, um, your last, your luster uh, becomes a lot less. You don't give as much. You don't do as much because, you know, and you often hear people say, well, I don't do such and such because such and such. That's why I don't do such and such. You know, but because you're looking for somebody's appreciation and you're looking for, you know, somebody that says job well done. A lot of times you're not going to get that, especially in this life, you know, and and I have noticed it all the more um, since the pandemic. We're not as connected as we used to be. And so with that, a lot of times you will walk, you know, you will feel as though you're walking alone, but God never leaves you. And so with that, I acknowledge God and give him praise. You know, um, not only that, if, if you're going to get anything, you know, if you're going to get any, any accolade, let God praise. You know, um, let him acknowledge you for who you are. But all the more, give him the more praise because he is truly worthy. We have not done anything that good, that that exalts that type of praise. Give him praise. Amen, amen, amen. Shantice, we're talking about that lack of contentment, you know, in, in choosing God. Sometimes we say, I'm, I'm choosing the Lord. And then when we say we choose the Lord, then we all twist it. <laughs> you know, how does looking for the praise in people shift us than focusing on God's praise? Getting that praise from the Lord is more important, would you say? It, it definitely is. And one of the things that hearing this has brought to mind is I've been hearing a lot from the Holy Spirit, like, it's not about you. Like, yes, God is dealing with your issues, your insecurity, your toxicity, your dysfunction, that you can be better at, even when he's giving you your accolades. It's not about you. And, yes, he will reward, you know, those who are diligently seeking him. And, yes, he will, um, you know, condemn the ones who are prideful and who swear up and down that they don't need him. But it's not about you. It's all about you being able to assist him in pulling that next person to him. So when you're looking to get from others, people don't even know what they like. You know, people don't even know what they're looking for. People, you know, so it's like while you're out here trying to 
appease people and trying to get attention from people and hear job well done or you look good or you know whatever it is you're trying to hear from from people they don't they won't even feel that way in the next 30 seconds so it's like you're doing all of this for what they'll love you at three o'clock and at three o'clock and 30 minutes they'll be trashing you to, to other people versus when god praises you Again, that's everlasting, and he's going to show you how to keep that momentum alive so that you can continue to get that approval approval from him, so that you can continue to elevate in him. And we should be striving for things that last rather than, again, those five minutes of, you know, feel good, or I just wanted to hear so-and-so say this, when it's so meaningless versus when God tells you, you know, job well done. That's what you should be aiming to hear. Amen, amen, amen. Elder Natisha, we're talking about contentment, choosing God, and just just being able to sit there. And one of the points that I found interesting, and we talk about quite often here, is just focusing on God from the first thing in the morning. How does that shift your contentment? Well, it's the principle of first fruit, right? It's the principle of being able to um, place God at the forefront of our lives um, and at the forefront of our day uh, so that we are able to set our mind on him. We're able to spend time with him. We're able to uh, lay before him all of the worries, all of the concerns, all of the cares, so that we can go through our day as ambassadors of his, so that we can go through our day, right, not carrying yesterday's um, frustrations, not walking with a chip on our shoulder because we've already spent time with our God and we've had the opportunity to lay things at his feet, all of our cares and concerns. And then not only that, but then we're also able to get impartation. And so I think when we think about giving God the first fruits of our day, it sets us up really to be able to, to, to get strategy, to say, okay, God, how can I be more impactful today than I was yesterday? How can I improve in my career? How do I move amongst my coworkers? How do I lead in a leadership position? How do I, can I, God, give me the wisdom to make the right choices, the right decisions uh, that will not only impact my life, but that will also impact the lives of others. And so it's an opportunity really for us to set before God, to lay our cares down, but then also to receive so that we can be the best version of ourselves moving throughout our day. Amen, amen, amen. Ah, Lady Tamika, we always talk about, you know, um, starting our day off. And, you know, we've been at this due time for three and a half years now almost. And getting that boost into the day means what in being satisfied with God? I'm sorry, that last phrase, getting that, I didn't hear that portion. Boost. Sorry. Getting the boost, getting that boost first thing in the morning with God being the first thing on our mind, starting our day with God. How does that help us to become content with who he is and what he has to offer us? 
Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, getting your mind ready for, you know, it, it's kind of like, um, you know, I like to use visuals. Um, if you've ever had, if anybody ever has a pet, you'll notice first thing in the morning, they've got this energy. They've got this drive. And you're just waking up and you're trying to wash your face and trying, and, and they're all over the place. They're, you know, they, and they're, most of them are running, you know, they're, they're eager to see you, you know, and so we should have that same drive. God, what are we going to do today? Where are we going today? What, who can I help today? You know, who, who, who can I speak life to today? You know, that type of drive and knowing that, you know, you're going to be used in the process of whatever today may hold, you know, is an amazing thing. You know, anticipating, you know, not just waking up and, oh, it's another day. You know, we, we've often talked about it's hump day. I've been struggling on Monday, having a hard time on Tuesday. It's rough on Wednesday. You, as you can see, <laughs> as I'm talking, and worse, you know, by the time you get to Friday, okay, great, you're excited, but you're only excited for that one day. And, again, we talk about emotions. We talk about situations. They're fleeting. So if you've got that anticipation and that drive and knowing that God is going to do something awesome today, tomorrow, the next day, it makes life so much easier. It uh, uh, allows you to not be stressed first thing in the morning, and it also uh, allows you to let go of those cares that would bound, bind you because, again, you know, Shantice mentioned, it's, it's not even about you. It's not even about you. Who am I going to bless? Whose life going to be changed by what it is that I'm doing, saying, or thinking? Amen, amen, amen. Ah, here's a big one. Learn that God is enough. That's all you need. That's what you can do to become content. Shanti. Yes. He's more than enough. And you don't know that until you do things like making sure you prioritize your quality time with him, you prioritize your reading and study time. You know, I was just having a conversation with someone the other day, and they asked me a question, and I said, you know, one of the important things is doing things with God, even if you don't feel like you're in the mood for whatever reason, whether it's because you're tired, whether because you just mentally feel like, you know, there's plenty of times I'll feel like I need to read, but I'm like, okay, God, I feel like I'm going to just, my eyes are going to be looking at the words, but nothing's going to register. And it may not hit me then, but maybe like 20 minutes after I read or sometimes later on that day or during the week, those things that I've read come back, the Holy Spirit will bring those things back to me. And it will remind me that he made, he pushed me to read because he knew I would need that for another time even if the other time is five minutes from then. So you understand that he's more than enough because can't nobody else do that for you. Can't nothing else do that for you. You know, when he, when other people speak to you and they speak sense, whether it's strictly Bible or whether it's common sense, that's still God speaking through people to you. All good and perfect things come from him. So anytime you get any really genuine, authentic, good counsel, that's still God choosing to speak through whomever or whatever. But you won't understand that he's more than enough if you don't prioritize him, if you don't understand that he does not need you, but he wants you. 
He doesn't need any of us. If we provoke him enough, if we trash him enough, he will then stop blessing us and move on to the next person. Because the job he set out to get done is going to get done, despite you interfering with his work. But when you understand how much he wants you, how much he wants to use you, how much he wants to spend time with you, how much he loves being with you, when you really start to understand that, that then starts to enhance your desire for him. And you understand that can't no TV show, no no song, no substance, no indulgence in food, or nothing is going to be able to quench those desires and everything that you have other than him. Amen, amen, amen. Pastor Kim, we need to learn that God is more than enough. Yes, he is. He is truly our Jehovah Jireh, our soul provider, you know, and when we understand that, you know, we will find that contentment that you were talking about and we'll stop looking for love in all the wrong places, you know, because he's our everything. You know, everything that we need is in God. It's in him that we live, move, and have our being. And we have to truly not just um, talk about it and say it, but when we really, really understand that he really is everything that we need. He is our all in all, you know. I mean, he is good and he is greatly to be praised. And when we really, really learn to fall in love with God, you know, and to allow ourselves to just um, seek him for everything that we need, you know, I know that there's a fleshly side of us that, it wants to be loved in, in a certain way, and um, we desire to have certain things. But at the end of the day, when you find out that you've sought for things in man, you know, and when you see that you've gotten let down and been disappointed and discouraged, and when you found out that the only one that was really there, the one that didn't talk about you, the one that didn't have anything to say about what they did for you, it's always going to be God. You know, because he is faithful. He is so, so faithful. And we can find the, that contentment and that satisfaction in him because that's what he is and that's what he does. And he specializes in it. Amen. Amen. Uh, Lady Tamita, we have, you know, in our contentment, we have to learn that God is more than enough. Gosh, um, the best way for me to even think about that is tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know that he is God and trusting and believing and knowing that everything that is concerning me, he's aware of, even in the rough times, even when there's struggle, even when there's conflict, even when I'm having just a missed day, you know, knowing that he knows it all. And if if today is not a good day in my mind, knowing that um, if I lean on him, that he can make all things better. And it's not just for my good, but for everyone's good, that he blesses me, that he sustains me and keeps me. And in keeping me, he keeps those that, um, 
are in my life as well. Amen, 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 Elder Nitisha. How are we rounding this one off? God is more than enough. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. It is the God. He is the God who completes what he starts. When when I think of more than enough, it is it, what comes to mind for me is El Shaddai, the God Almighty, the one who keeps his promises, the one who does not fail, the one who does exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. It's over the top. It's it's his work is beyond what we ever comprehend. He does what we cannot envision for ourselves. So whatever the vision is that we currently have for our life, whatever the hopes are that we have for our life, know that we serve the God who has promises exceed anything that you could even imagine. (laughs) He is more than enough to fulfill every desire of your heart. He's more than enough to see through to the end every word that he has spoken over our lives. He is absolutely more than enough. He satisfies and quenches above what you thought. Our definition for satisfied, he exceeds it. (laughs) The pleasure that we can find in him, he exceeds He exceeds it. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Amen. Amen. You know, as you ladies were talking, um, the Spirit of the Lord um, just gave me, you know, as, as much as we say to people, um, nothing exceeds personal experience, that testimony. And we have a little bit of time. So just have... Uh, an opportunity to let people hear when we realized that God was more than enough. And it doesn't have to be long, but just that brief personal experience of when, you know, my eyes were just opened to the fact that God was more than enough. And, you know, what? I'm going to let, I'm going to give you a chance to start this lady Tamika. Um, I, I would say when my mother um, transitioned, um, it was difficult to adapt, um, knowing and um, trusting in mom. You know, mom did this and mom handled all of that. And, you know, the um, not knowing what to do and how to do it, you know. Um, honestly, at one point, I kind of felt orphaned. You know, um, at one point, there was a part of me that said, you know, you left me, you know. And when I realized that it's not about me and that it is about God and that when you say I can do all things through Christ, that strengthens me. That is not just a word and recognizing that you're living it and seeing it and, and, and experiencing it, then you know that all of it, every single solitary concern, everything, 
you know, every person, you know, that said that they would be there and, and not be there, you know, this is one of those things when we trusted people, you know, in man. Um, and God said, I got you, you know, I, whatever it is that you need, I am here, you know. And when he says, I am, he truly means it. I am every single thing that you need. I am every concern. I, I can walk you through it. I know your uh, future, you know, from that particular day, you know, that, that specific moment to this moment, I have never left you. I have always been there, I, and I will continue to be there. And so that is when I realized that he is so much more than enough and more than I can ever think that he would be. And even above that. Amen. Amen. Shanti. At what point, what personal experience do you have with you when you understood that God was more than enough? One of the experiences, and it actually happened last night, is I could think something, say it out loud, like, you know what, I need such and such, or I can use of this. Or I need this. I would like to have that. And then next thing I know, someone is buying it for me. Or someone is giving it to me. Or I'm being taken somewhere. Or I'm being treated somewhere. And I'm like, Dad, this wasn't even a formal prayer. I I just happened to mention, you know, that I would like such and such a thing. Or I would like to do such and such. And my circumstances is like, stop wishing. You know you can't afford that. But God knows that whether he wants to take care of it or not, he knows whether he wants to bless me with that or not, if that's something he has for me, or, you know, maybe right now is just not the time, or it is the time. But, again, he works through people on my behalf to show me that it's more than enough because often on sometimes I have this battle with myself about, now, God, I know what it is to keep a job and make money, and I haven't worked a regular job since uh, July of 2017, and, you know, I feel like a bum because I can't pay for this, and I can't, you know, do this and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, just do what I'm telling you to do. Focus on that, and I'll take care of not only your necessities, but your luxuries that you don't even deserve at some. But even if it's I'm going to bless you with those things to reassure you that, I'm taking care of you, and I'm going to continue to take care of you, especially if you take care of the business that I'm placing in front of you that you need to focus on. Everything else is going to fall in place for you. And, again, no one else has the capacity, no matter how much they may be willing to, no one else is able to do anything like that. Amen. 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 Elder Night Tisha. Um, There are so many times when um, I've come to the realization that God is more than enough, but I think the one that I'll share today um, is really what set my whole life forward. And it's as I was sitting in chemotherapy and, um, you know, wanting myself to plan my funeral, believing that cancer was going to take me out of here, but instead God had me walking through the unit. Uh, praying for people, encouraging people, offering salvation to people. And um, two years after, 
that moment of being able to go through my own cancer journey, ministering to people that was on chemo, going through chemo with me, being able to attend the funeral of a person who unfortunately um, lost a battle to cancer and their family saying to me that they received Jesus um, at, at, at that conversation that we were able to have and that it completely changed their life and that the past two years of their life, the last two years of their life was sweeter simply because they were introduced to Christ. It was then that I understood the God that I served to be more than enough because I would have never imagined that while I was planning my funeral, while I was going through chemotherapy, while I was going through a battle that God would use me in such a way and be impacted impacted by my own journey. So that's what I knew. Amen. 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 Pastor Kim. Yes. Woo. Like she said, it's so many, so, so, so many times that God has shown itself to be so faithful and, and to be more than enough. Um, but the most, I think the most important time that I think that when I really needed God and he was there for me was the time when I got pregnant and um, <clears throat> dealing with my teenage pregnancy and being in that girl's home away from my family. Um, the father saying that, you know, it wasn't his baby and all of this and that, and just being alone, you know, um, God truly showed me that he was with me and that he would never leave me nor forsake me, you know, and I found that, you know, it was okay, even though family wasn't around, even though the father wasn't, you know, there to support me, God was more than enough. You know, he showed me that he was everything that I needed. And I found contentment, you know, in him. And that's when I really, really got close to God, you know, in that time of being alone. And sometimes that's what God will do. He will allow us to be separated from everybody else so that we can all have our own personal testimonies and our own personal relationship to get to know him in our own special way. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, ladies, for being transparent um, about your own experiences and just um, encouraging our listeners to embrace God because at the end of the day, he's all you need. I thank you for your contribution into today's conversation, and we pray you have a blessed day. You too. Thank you. Have a blessed day. Thank you, thank you. All right. Mm, let's get this benediction. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. And that's Second Thessalonians 2. 16 and 17. <sighs> you know, again, you know, God's timing is, is amazing. As um, I 
I had this for a couple of weeks now. I just for a couple of weeks, and we didn't get a chance to do it last week and this week uh, last night. Um, I really wasn't feeling well, and I didn't have a chance to post. And I was like, "What are we going to talk about?" Then I remembered that um, we had this uh, topic out there, and his timing is always perfect. You know, it makes you think about a whole lot of different things when you hear about godly contentment. And it makes you think about how you have, you know, resolved yourself to, you know, I'll I'll just, I'll just, you know, God, you know, you're enough. And then when you get there, you're like, "Mm." (laughs) oh boy, you know, and I, I give God thanks because, you know, I'm sure at one point or another, we all have gone through that where, you know, it was it sounded good, but at the end of the day, we were like, mm. and that's why I guess the Spirit of the Lord, um, you know, had me to ask the ladies to just minister. You know, again, the, the most powerful um, thing we can tell someone is what we've gone through and, and what was our turning point. And that would make them a believer that it could be me. You know, a lot of times we think that, you know, it can't be me. It's just too much. God doesn't want, you know, doesn't want to deal with something filthy like me. But when you hear someone else's testimony, you know, it makes a difference. And as the ladies were talking, I thought about, you know, what was one of your turning points? Because like they said, boy, were there many. But one of the things I remember is I had just been going through a series of disappointments and, um, you know, people saying and doing, um, you know, one thing, or they say one thing and then they get something else and, or you're looking forward to something happening and that didn't happen. And it, it just, it was just a series of that. And I remember sitting on the side of the bed and I said, God, Every time I turn around, I'm always forgiving people. And all I heard was, I made you that way. Like, like he had kind of leaned in my, like somebody was sitting beside me and just kind of leaned in and whispered that in my ear. And he said, I made you that way. And that was so comforting to me. And at that point, I realized that all I have is God. He said he made me that way, which meant that there would be a forever connection between he and I, that the connection between another person and I could always be damaged, could always, you could be a liar, or you could disappoint me, or you could be deceitful, or, you know, you might be able to try to do this, but, you know, that ain't work. But that, I don't, maybe for someone else, it wouldn't have been that. But for me, that was one of the times, the many times that, um, that's what I heard in my ear. I got you. I got you. Now, again, somebody else may not have, that may not have translated, you know, into that. But for Stephanie, it did. And I was like, wow, God, you know. You actually said you made me that way. And it made me think about all the times in my life that even for when I was a little girl, all the stuff 
that people had done to me over the years, but here I was an adult, and I'm still speaking to these people. That you, I would talk to them as though nothing had ever happened. Um, I don't even think they remember some of the stuff they had done to me. But yet, you know, I could look right at you and remember you did such and such a thing, and maybe something you would even go to jail for. But it just, there was no animosity. There was no hard feelings. And I'm saying to myself, well, what kind of mess is this, Stephanie, that you could actually see the same people? And, you know, it was just amazing. And it did make sense to me. And when I, I kind of just sat on the bed that day, so I felt so defeated. And I was like, come on, every time I turn around, I'm always forgiving someone. And when God said that to me, I made me that way. I just felt this connection to him that I had never felt before. And I said to him, thank you. Thank you that I don't have to live in this world of unforgiveness, of I look at you and every time I look at you, I just despise you. And every time I see you, I just remember all the things that you did to me or that one thing you did to me and I just can't stand you. And how could I, I just can't even look at you. And it was, I mean, just a weight um, that wasn't even there that was lifted. And I don't know how much sense that makes to you, but I give God thanks for that because that was, was one of the turning points for me in realizing that there was a special connection between Stephanie and God. And understanding that the, the biggest the call on my life, being a pastor, hadn't happened yet. And it wasn't until the following year, well, no, let me rephrase that. The God telling me that I was a pastor um, was one thing. But I didn't actually start pastoring until about a year, um, about a year later. And I realized that had God not made me a person who was forgiving, then how in the world could I lead his people? Because let me tell you something about being a pastor. When I tell you people stomp on you, People disregard you. People cuss you out. People tell you off. When I tell you, you take some abuse, you take some abuse. And if God has not worked on clearing your heart, that you don't develop a thick skin, as a female pastor, you endure a lot of mistreatment, a lot of uh, people dismissing you, um, a lot of ill regard and disregard. You've got to be forgiving because if not, you can't lead God's people. So I realized that, wow, God, had you not gotten that um, from me? Had you, you know, you said I made you that way, but if I was always fighting you and wanting to be angry and wanting to, you know, do something to someone who had done something to me or get back at a person who had done something to me, then I would not be saying that you were enough. And as the lady said, you know, there were, if, if you have not had that happen to you yet, I promise you that you will soon find out that God is more 
than enough. He is more than anything anyone could give you. He is more than anyone could ever be to you. When all the chips are down and there is no one, many a day when I was being wheeled into that surgery, surgery um, that operating room, I had to remember, God, it's me and you. When people were looking at me, asking me, you're so calm. You know, you ain't scared. You're not nervous. I'm like, no. Why? Because it was Stephanie and God. And I realized at that time, and I told them, I'm going to tell you something. If I have not made it right with God, ain't nothing I can do about it now. Nothing I can do about it now. So you have got to understand that if you have not reached that point yet, God is more than enough. Because there's gonna come there's gonna come a time where God it's only God. There is nothing and no one but you and the Lord. And he's going to have to be more than enough because I was being wheeled into that operating room and I was like, All right, God, this is you and I. And I need you to take care of that. Uh, Dr. Satterfield, I need you to take care of that anesthesiologist. I need you to take care of that person over there counting them tools. I need you to take care of that nurse who's going to be looking over me and helping me and watching me how I breathe and if if I'm okay. And I need you to be over here watching that other person that's going to be helping Dr. Satterfield. And I need you to be over there with that machine that's going to be attached to me. See, ain't nothing but you and God at the end of the day. Because, see, I don't know whether Dr. Satterfield is a man of God or not. But all I know is that I'm a child of God and I trust God. And I know the power of God. And I know if you intend for me to get up out this operating room, it won't matter if, if, if Dr. Satterfield is a man of God. It's going to matter if Stephanie is a woman of God. And considering that, I'm calling on you right now. And I am considering myself a child of the king. Then it's only me and you. Because, see, Dr. Satterfield ain't going to call your name before he sliced me open. Stephanie will. See, the anesthesiologist ain't going to call on you before he puts that mask over my nose. It's going to be Stephanie that's going to be calling your name. So, see, at the end of the day, it ain't nobody but you and God. So I advise you to get I mean, get that concept in you real fast. Because, see, if you have not realized it, day is the day that you need to realize that at the end of the day, God needs to be more than enough because he is your source of your very breath. The very air you breathe would not even be there if it were not for the Lord. Take God at his word to make it more than enough. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank my big time crew, the ladies, for always coming through big time. Thank you for hanging out with us. Please do not miss this opportunity to give Christ your life right now. Please do not miss this opportunity to strengthen that relationship with the Lord right now, because later is not promised to any of us. 
until tomorrow, God says, where it's therapeutic Thursday. Until then, I love you.